chair staff is ready when you are. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, good evening, everyone. Uh, the time is 5.31 on Thursday, August 11th, uh, 2022. And um, we will call this meeting to order. Uh, Madam Clerk, would you mind establishing a quorum by calling the roll? Yes, thank you. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video for roll call. Commissioner Boyd is currently absent. Commissioner Buckley? Here. Commissioner Chase? Here. Commissioner Coville? Here. Commissioner Lindsay? Here. Commissioner Pluckybaum? Here. Commissioner Juan Conley? Here. Commissioner Yi? Here. Commissioner Young? Here. Chair Hernandez? Here. Thank you. And Commissioners Wallace and Macias Reed are absent. Thank you very much. Uh, a few housekeeping items. This meeting is a virtual meeting via Zoom. Um, for members of the public who wish to join, please refer to our agenda for the Zoom link. And once you've joined the meeting and would like to speak uh, in order to raise your hand and provide com public comment, uh, once the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired items, there are a few things that you uh, may want to be aware of. Um, if you are joining online, uh, click the raise hand on the bottom of your screen. If you're using a mobile app, in the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping on the raise hand button, uh, which is an option under the more tab. And if you're calling by telephone, uh, please raise your hand by dialing star nine. And then to unmute or mute yourself, you can dial star six and speakers will be called on by uh, the last four digits of their phone number. Um, for public comments, you will have um, three minutes to um, make your comments once you're called on. And so we will now proceed to uh, today's agenda. We will start with the land acknowledgement and pledge of allegiance. Um, if you would please rise for uh, opening acknowledgements uh, in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Mishkan people, the seven Maidu, Valley and Sacred Rock, and the peoples of Western Nigeria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. We can acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contribution, and life. Thank you very much. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. Thank you very much. Um, we will do our first order of business today, which is approval of the consent calendar. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. We currently have no members of the public with their hands raised. Thank you very much. Are there any commissioners who would wish to speak on the consent calendar? 
I'm looking for raised hands and um, otherwise raised hands for a motion and a second for the approval of the consent calendar. I see Commissioner Colville. Uh, motion to approve. Thank you. Is there a motion to second? I will second. And that was Commissioner Yee. Thank you. Um, okay, we have a motion and a second. Madam Clerk, could you please call the roll? Commissioner Boyd. Aye. Commissioner Buckley. I'll have to abstain. I missed the last meeting. Okay. Commissioner Chase. Commissioner Chase. Aye, sorry, was I unmuted. Got it. Commissioner Coville? Aye. Commissioner Lindsay? Abstain, I was not at last month's meeting. Okay, Commissioner Pluckybaugh? Aye. Commissioner Wong Connolly? Aye. Commissioner Yee? Aye. Commissioner Young? Aye. And Chair Hernandez? Aye. Motion passes. Thank you very much. Um, we'll next move on to the director's report. This is item number two, and I'll pass it back to Stacia. Uh, thank you. I, I don't have any items for the director's report this evening. Thank you very much. Um, all right, so we don't have any public hearing items today, so we'll move on to the discussion calendar. We have one item. This is item number three, updates on the Stockton Boulevard plan. I understand we have a staff presentation um, by Elizabeth Boyd. Um, so, Elizabeth, whenever you're ready. Thank you so much. Um, good evening, commissioners. I am really excited to come before you today. We started on a process about two years ago to look at how do we revitalize the Stockton Boulevard corridor and really create a um, plan that reflects the community and make sure that it protects those that are already there um, from displacement and do what we can to make sure that any improvements that we do are benefiting the existing residents and businesses. So. Um, about two years ago, we started it. We had our first public meeting in February of 2021, and we finally gotten to the point where we have a draft working version. And I will share my screen and um, give you a little bit of an overview of what has happened, what were um, the purpose of this planning effort, and where we are now. The goal of this planning effort is really a community-centered approach. And I just want to make sure that everyone can see the screen because somehow I'm not seeing everyone. <laughs> um, we can see your screen, yes. Um, it's not in presentation mode. Um, I don't know if, if that was a preference of yours, but we can um, see your screen. Okay, sorry. I don't know why it's um, showing up that way. Oh, I apologize. Um, it's, I have my laptop open. Unfortunately, I'm having technical difficulties and it seems to, um, so are, let's see, I'm sorry. Um, so do you see like my notes on the side? Is that what you're seeing? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, well, maybe I will just exit and, um, show you as much on the large screen as I can. Um, sure. just to make it bigger as much as possible. Um, my apologies. I don't know what's going on with the 
computer, but I will figure it out later. Um, anyway, just to go back to the purpose of the planning effort is really a community-centered approach. And like I said, to revitalize Stockton Boulevard in a way that benefits existing residents, existing businesses, and really focused on racial equity. Over the last um, several years, we have inventoried existing conditions, um, created several different reports, including the following for um, an economic context report that's attached to the working version, uh, um, a gentrification assessment, infrastructure report, and historic resources report. The historic resources report is not currently attached to the plan, but it will be available when this plan goes forward as a um, public review draft. Yeah, I see Commissioner Chase, yes. Can I jump in quickly? There is an option up in the uh, top banner for a slideshow. You might try that and see if it's about halfway across. But yeah, yeah. I I think um, there's there's something about like the um, the type of like the format that I it'll take me a moment to figure out, and I I don't want to waste you guys' time. No um, problem. Unfortunately, I, I know it's a little bit distracting with the. The ribbon. Let me at least hide that and we'll make it as clean as possible. Um, but uh, one of the things that we figured out from working with the community is that there is a desire for having more of a, um, a say in what is in the plan, more of an understanding of what's going on. So we included a, a second draft, which is we're calling the community working version. So we will be coming forward with a public review draft later um, early next year, but we wanted to come out with a draft where it has holes, it has some things that we're working on together with the community so that we can really get a, a good sense of what the community wants and work with them um, very closely before we have the environmental review document. Um, over the last um, year and a half, we have met with a resident planning team, which is a group of um, about 15 folks that live along the corridor um, and the corridor, and uh, I just realized I didn't have a map in here, but it goes from Alhambra Boulevard down to 65th Street and then the neighborhoods that surround it. And so we worked with them, had 11 meetings. We've had several more since the plan was um, published. We uh, had five working group meetings with city staff and the resident planning team. We had five virtual conversations um, with the broader community an online survey, different pop-up events at the uh, library, um, a couple uh, events that were specifically targeted for different language groups, including Hmong, Vietnamese, Spanish, Cantonese, Mandarin. And over that time, we had some really great input on what kind of um, things people envision, what kind of strategies they'd like us to see and put together. And um, with that, we have this working version. The website is um, a special website where folks can actually share the PDF. They can look through the plan, they can make comments, and I'll um, take a moment just to go to that website and show you how it works because um, I'm very excited about the, the way that we can work with the community on making sure that they can not only uh, make comments, but they can see what other folks have commented on the plan. And so um, this is the website, it's uh, stockmanboulevardplan.conveo.com. 
And uh, as you go through, and you might be interested also to look through this as well, because you can see what has, what has already been commented on um, so far by different people. Click on them, um, look at where did someone comment. You can vote someone's comment up or down. And um, also we have built in a guided tour, which um, leads people through the plan from the introduction to, um, to other, uh, sorry, clicked on the wrong thing. Um, from the introduction to uh, anti-displacement values um, that we drafted with the, um, to support what we had heard from our resident planning team to a vision statement and then um, some variety of other things that I am actually gonna spend a little bit of time on in the presentation. There are a lot of different topics covered in this, um, land use and community character, housing and anti-displacement, and I've, I've listed those on the left-hand side. The idea is that we are going out to the community with a lot of different um, methods um, until October 15th to try to get as much of an understanding. Did we get it right? Are there any changes that we need to make before we, once again, do the environmental review and come back out with a public review draft? The first thing I wanted to just talk to you about is anti-displacement values. We heard over and over again from our resident planning team and others that anti-displacement is a very big issue for the Stockton Boulevard corridor because of Aggie Square and other developments that are coming in. Folks are really concerned about the raising um, of uh, rental prices and um, home values in a way that um, might cause folks not to be able to stay in these neighborhoods. So we put together um, these six anti-displacement values that we're now going out to the community and saying, is this what you mean when you say anti-displacement values? How can, we, um, how can we make sure that the plan is aligned with how you think of anti-displacement? So um, these six really touch on, you know, not only keeping folks in place as residents, but also um, celebrating the, the history and culture of the community and um, providing you know, good spaces and good investments um, for those residents that come in. The other thing that I wanted to touch on today is the land use strategy. We have really built off of the 2040 general plan that is still in draft form, but with the idea that there's a lot of different changes coming out. So we didn't want to make any additional um, changes beyond what the general plan is coming forward. Um, but recognizing that we do have a more granular approach so we can come out with a better understanding of how many dwelling units, how much commercial space we anticipate until 2040. So uh, our estimate is around 4,000 dwelling units and over um, 300,000 uh, square feet of commercial space. Um, and there is more information on you know, the vacant spaces that are available in this area in, in the plan itself. The other thing is to really have targeted policies that don't repeat citywide policy, but really look at how can we direct the uses in this area in a more um, strategic way than we have on the citywide uh, general plan or the community plan. So we have very few policies, but those are very targeted. 
the real goal of this plan is not only to welcome new development, but once again, to make sure that folks feel like this is their home, they can stay there, we have strategies. So a huge portion of this is based around action. How can we take real strategic action in a prioritized way in order to meet the community's needs? And the, um, we broke these uh, different actions into three different tiers. Uh, the first one is about anti-displacement, making sure folks can stay. It are, these are the actions that portrays the existing um, residents and businesses. Tier two are things like getting the money for that uh, transportation plan that the city approved um, a little while back. You know, at that time they estimated about $80 million. We don't have that money yet, but um, knowing it is very important, but our first um, priority is on the anti-displacement, making sure that folks um, are, uh, we have homelessness prevention in place, we have um, rental assistance or um, different, different mechanisms to help folks be stabilized and comfortable. And then the third tier is all the things that people have said that they really want that are important, but um, they're aspirational and we want to make sure that they happen, but we may not have uh, leadership in place or funding in place to actually make them happen. And the three different bubbles on this diagram are just three examples of things that we have in the broader list. There's a pretty long list in the plan of different actions that the community had said that they'd like to see. And so these are three, um, three examples, the anti-displacement programs, which we are currently, uh, we just had an RFP go out for those um, to start those programming uh, up, uh, transportation improvements, and then things like a local hire campaign. Um, other things that are on the list are, you know, a new park, um, having a new event venue in Little Saigon, and other creative ideas that the, the community came up with. And our hope is in this working version to really check with the community on, this is how staff understood the prioritization does this really match what you guys were thinking of? Does, um, is there any changes that we need to make? Are the actions prioritized correctly? So mostly in tier one, we have money to do these actions. And in a lot of cases, they're already moving forward. We already have money that is going towards affordable housing. We can always use more, but that is something that's already in progress. We already have um, funding from Aggie Square to do anti-displacement programs that is something that's already in progress. And then um, tier two is really, you know, we need to seek that funding. And then tier three, we probably will seek that funding, but it probably won't be for a little while. Um, right now, until October 15th, we will be doing a lot of different community uh, meetings, um, mostly going to where people already are. So I'll be working with the community engagement team to go to events. And we also have a couple pop-ups we're planning on um, being outside of VinFat Market as well as um, La Victoria. Um, and then, you know, accepting web comments and going to neighborhood association meetings, et cetera. Um, we likely will have a special meeting on anti-displacement and checking in with the different CBOs, uh, neighborhood associations, church leaders, um, school leaders that actually work on the ground on anti-displacement measures to check in with them and say, hey, do we have the appropriate discussion in this plan? Is there anything that we need to change? And then 
all the way along, I just, um, that bottom line of just, we're already starting to implement these actions. This planning process is unique. We're not waiting until everything is adopted because a lot of the actions that have been asked for are things that are already supported under our existing general plan or other guiding documents like our housing element. And we don't need to wait. We're moving forward with those, but we do want to put those in the plan just to say, hey, we are working on these, we hear you, and we know that, that these things are important. Um, I will be going to Preservation Commission next month. Um, and then when we do have our public review draft, um, we will have the environmental review document. We will be confirming, you know, does this plan match what uh, the community wants? We'll do further community engagement with the idea that next year in spring or summer, we will be doing the implementation process and advocating for implementation funding. One thing that we have talked about as um, the team is really the, the importance of not doing planning without um, implementation. So we're really seeking how can we combine these efforts with seeking after funding that will be um, focused on what the community says is their highest priority. So with that, um, I just have my um, contact information up here. If there are any members of the community that are interested in reaching out or um, if you would like to uh, visit the website to look at the plan and to make um, further comments as a member of the community, um, I would love to encourage folks to do that. And then we also have a broader website that has information on past meetings and um, announcements as well as a sign up for getting announcements of future um, events. And with that, I will stop sharing my screen and I'm open to any questions or conversation that folks would like to have. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Um, great presentation. Um, first, we'll move on to public comments. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I currently show no members of the public with their hands raised. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, so we'll bring it back to the commission. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? I see Commissioner Young. Um, thank you for the, the report, um, Ms. Boyd. That was um, a, a nice presentation there. I had a follow-up question regarding the affordable housing. I saw that Sacramento Mutual Housing as well as Mercy Housing were selected as developers for two affordable housing projects. I'm assuming that was funding that they derived as a result of the Aggie project. And, and so collectively they're building about approximately like 400 units, 400 affordable units, is that correct? I don't, I don't have the exact details. I know that Mercy Housing is breaking ground um, next week and I believe it's around 200 units. Um, but unfortunately I don't have that with me. I can and go look at it and get back okay. to you on that. Yeah, I think, I, I think that as, as we work through with the community as far as establishing those anti-displacement values, you know, I think it's important to, I, I know that funding is, is the magic bullet here, but, but to also be putting ourselves in a place to try to achieve certain target goals. So if we're talking about building new 4,000 new units, but really we're only producing maybe 400 affordable units, I think that's something that I saw on the table that's kind of like a 10% you know, uh, production of affordable units. I'm just wondering if that is something that we need to kind of raise that target um, to, to something higher. 
so that we can attempt to address kind of housing affordability in that area. So that was kind of one comment. I'm, I'm just not sure what, as far as the general process and the flow of how this is gonna go, whether or not it makes sense to include that in the planning document. I think um, we are not restricted. Um, Greg, I, I saw you just come off of uh, your camera. We're not restricted to a certain number of affordable housing units. Um, we really are trying to do as much as we can Sorry. with the available funding. Um, Greg, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I, I think we, we the Central City specific plan has an affordable housing goal. Um, it's not like it's something that's required on all development, but it's it, you're able to see your progress and um, it's something you can measure and see whether you're meeting that goal. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I think the other piece to just, I know that one of the questions I was asked was kind of what other resources that, um, the city might look into. I, I believe Cal HFA is re, re, they're kickstarting their home ownership program again because I think they're getting federal funding uh, to do their single family home ownership buyer program for first time home buyers. So again, that, that might be something worth looking at um, to, and, and I'm not exactly sure how the program works. I think it really has more to do with kind of local, local brokers who are somehow connected to Cal HFA and whatnot and, and trying to provide that sort of down payment assistance program loan uh, for first time home buyers. So that, that might be a resource that we might be able to leverage to, to promote home ownership because I know that that was something that I saw as a value uh, in the document as well. That's all I have. Thank you, Commissioner Young. Commissioner Chase. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Elizabeth, again, very good presentation. Thank you. I know this has been a, a long process and uh, you know, I'm glad to see the amount of inclusion and involvement of the community in this. Um, uh, kind of an off the cuff uh, question. Uh, are there plans that I, you know, I know this is gonna be going on for a while, uh, but upon its adoption and implementation underway, are there other uh, corridors, commercial corridors that are next in line uh, for this kind of a process? And I'm rather selfish. I'm thinking in terms of Del Paso Boulevard uh, in my district, which is certainly prime for that kind of an approach. Well, I'm happy to announce that we do have a process. Um, we're calling it Forward Together, um, Marysville, Del Paso. Um, it is actually right now, um, there's some behind planning. They have a community advisor team right now that they've already begun working with, with the hope of having a, a large activation this fall. So. Um, there's a lot of planning going on around that. It will not be a specific plan. Um, the Stockton Boulevard plan includes a specific plan as well as an action plan. Hmm. But for Marysville Del Paso, it's really about what can the community work on together for you know 18 months after the planning. Um, there'll be a six-month planning effort and then 18 months of let's work on the ground to get some things moving. Um, and part of that will be you know the five million dollars uh, with ARPA and looking at you know if that can have any connections and then also finding other implementation funding, but um, really working with the community to come up with those actions that they'll work on in, in different groups. So that is, that is definitely already in progress. And then um, after that, we're really looking at how do we really focus more implementation? 
including revisiting West Broadway um, because we haven't really worked on the implementation enough yet. Um, so going back to that and saying, okay, what does it look like to actually take action and work with the community to um, to move that to move that specific plan forward? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. We have Commissioner Boyd next. Thank you. I just want to make sure my microphone is working this week. We can hear you. Fantastic. And um, um, congratulations on me calling you chair for the first time and your first time out here. Thank you. Uh, more than welcome. Uh, I do have a couple of questions for you. Um, um, ah, uh, sorry, Ms. Boyd. <laughs> Um, it, it just threw me there just only for a second. But uh, um, I, the in your presentation, um, I forgot the exact count, but it was 4,000 plus uh, ADU units to be built. Uh, I'm sorry, and, and that's over the span of, of uh, how long? It's 2040 is the, the end date that we're looking at for build out. Potentially longer, okay. depending on um, you know the market. Okay, uh, I wasn't sure if it was 2030 or 2040. So uh, 4,000 is 23. I'll do the easier math. Over, over the last, um, let's go back to uh, 2008. Over the last four years, um, off the top of your head, what has been a total of ADU uh, units that have been built uh, here in the city? So I'll just... Um go back and say these are all residential units, not just accessory dwelling units, not just ADUs, but all um, all types of um, dwelling units. Um, so in this area, we're looking, and I, I said 2040, that's sort of our planning horizon, but the number of units that we're doing is really a guess of what is the total build out of this area. So it could, it could take longer than the 18 years that we have left to finish um, developing those 4,000 units or it could take shorter depending on if the market really heats up and we can um, get those things built. Um, I don't know how many units were built in the last um, couple of years in that specific area, but I can find out and get back to you on that. Thank you, I'd appreciate the last, uh, my, mis my misunderstanding, uh, I did think, I was thinking the 4,000 number was ADUs and not total units, my apologies on that. But um, just, uh, two last questions. Uh, um, in, in the presentation, when you use the word, um, these affordable units, just for clarity for those uh, who may not be familiar, would you uh, give us your definition as it relates to this presentation in regards to the term affordable units? I think that there's, in, in terms of, um, for anti-displacement, it's really, to me, you have the regulatory um, discussion of affordable and levels of affordable, but um, I am not being that specific in my language. Um, I'm just saying, you know, housing that's affordable to the folks that are living in that area. Um, I think what we see, it's really interesting when we were interviewing consultants, um, um, oh my goodness, I forget Michael's last name, but um, he's someone very well known, but we had a member of the community on the panel to review. Um, and he said, I wanna see our community making enough money that they can afford whatever housing they want. And so I think for us, the um, affordability thing comes into 
helping folks uh, find work and good jobs so that they are not just um, having to do the regulatory affordable housing, but that they can actually afford the housing. Um, and it's Michael Blair, Michael Blair's um, who I was talking about. He, I, I just felt like it was a really inspirational thought of how do we help folks connect to the jobs so that they can afford the housing that they want rather than having regulated affordable housing that um, only can cater to certain folks that make under a certain amount of um, money. Um, I don't know if that answers the question fully, but um, yeah, I wasn't being exact in my language. Right, and that's why I was just asking if you put a finer point on that, uh, to that, in that in that uh, immediate area, a uh, couple of the zip codes there in Oak Park, um, roughly 40, actually it's a little bit more than 40% of the resident residents there are uh, actually fall into the income, um, annual income area of $2,000 per month $2,000 or less per month, uh, again, in the immediate area of, of this build. So with that said, that's why I was asking for specificity, um, specificity uh, in regards to what affordable, uh, term affordable is actual uh, connotation in this presentation. I'm a millionaire, so I can afford to live where I want to. Uh, I make $2,000 a month or less, I cannot. So when we hear affordable, we must put a uh, definition behind that. And for this Oak Park area, the immediate area, it, it's a fluctuation of that lower income to the uh, six figures um, uh, and going in the immediate area of, uh, of this area. So it, it, it truly depends on what side of the street that you're standing on, on Stockton Boulevard uh, at, at this vicinity. So what good is 4,000 units if they're all at or above market rate when you have at least 40% of the immediate local uh, individuals that can't afford it. So that's why I was just asking. Uh, last question here in regards to the, what was the process that brought um, the city of Sacramento to choose both um, Mercy Housing and uh, Mutual Housing? So I can't speak to that in much depth because that's really through um, Sacramento Housing and Redevelopment Agency. And this planning effort does not affect um, those specific projects. Um, I think, you know, a specific plan can make some land use changes and can encourage through policy um, future development, as well as having an environmental review that streamlines um, future development. But we are not actually, at this moment, um, we have not affected any current development. So all of those have happened without this planning effort um, being in place. Yeah, you. Uh, with that, because I was just curious because of the um, complaints that mutual housing seems to continue to get. And it's a not a quiet story. It's a quite public story, um, both electronic media, video media, so forth. And that's why I was wondering why they would be one of the, the entities. Again, it's SHRA, but uh, now that you've pointed that out, why they would even be uh, one of the, the nonprofit developers taking place into which the complaints that they're receiving are from their um, facilities that are, are majority, um, uh, what are they called, um, housing of uh, communities of color. So obviously uh, I have a question, I'm 
about why they would even be a part of it. But as you stated, that's an SHRA uh, decision. So, but it, maybe it's something that we all would want to think about and voice our concerns on uh, using um, mutual housing in, in this aspect. Uh, as I understand it, that issue uh, affecting an area not far from where this is, right off of um, 24th and Fruit Ridge, not that distant, is one of the major uh, complaint areas. But with that said, if, if things have, um, I won't say worked themselves out, but have uh, corrected themselves with mutual, well, that's another story. But uh, if it's something that was just swept under the rug, eh, something that uh, folks may want to look into. But thank you for your answer on that. That's all I have, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Boyd. Uh, we'll next go with Commissioner Lindsay. Uh, thank you, Chair Hernandez, and um, thank you, Elizabeth, for your presentation this evening. Um, this really is a great community-driven plan. Um, uh, the housing and anti-displacement, I, I feel, is one of the most important aspects of, of this. And uh, I, I know you mentioned several programs uh, rental assistance and then affordable housing to be built, et cetera, et cetera. But for those businesses and residents that are tenants now, um, you know, we have seen in, in other areas as progress is made and development comes on board, uh, rents follow suit. And I don't know if there's an answer to my question or concern, but, but what do we do? about making sure that you know rents aren't increased exorbitantly that those who are already residing or doing business on the corridor can remain it, i mean it is a very complicated issue for sure um, and can't really be solved on a quarter basis mm -hmm. i think that it's a discussion that we're having as a city and as a state um, of how do we address, um, you know, the unaffordability of mini housing, whether whether it's by rental or, you know, if you're trying to buy. Um, so I'm not sure that I can answer that fully. Um, we do have programs that we're looking at um, of, you know, the one-time payments where people might feel like, okay, I can't afford a medical bill and I'm going to lose my housing. So that's something that Daniel Foster is working on with the Aggie Square Anti-Displacement Funds. Of course, the money that she has is about $5 million for um, just ordinary residents and then $5 million for UC Davis um, employees. So it doesn't go very far. So really, we went through a process um, earlier this year to um, work with several different CBOs and organizations and people in the community to go out and survey folks that are in these areas and say, hey, what do you feel like you would need most? What would be the best thing for this area in order to protect people from losing their homes? And so um, she is in the process of developing those programs with the help of um, this RFP that she just put out and the organizations that they have not chosen the organization. So I can't speak to that, but it's, I mean, they're very deep, very, um, very difficult issues. And so we are working on them as staff and Danielle's doing an amazing job. And so we're trying to reflect that in the plan. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that we have a solution. I mean, it's, it's really hard. It's, it's, really hard. it's difficult, but um, um, 
Good to know that, you know, you are working on that and uh, looking at maybe possible remedies to those who are already doing business and or residing in the area. So thank you. And that's all the questions I have. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. We'll go with Commissioner Buckley. Thank you, Chair. Um, my questions are also around um, the anti-displacement policies at Section 5.3 um, that discusses building gener generational wealth and um, getting together maybe a residential preference policy. And I was wondering if you um, could um, expand for us a little bit, uh, Ms. Boyd, on how a community plan might um, help alleviate some of the disparities in gener generational wealth. Um, I, I know you have listed here home ownership, perhaps ADU program, um, but if you could expand on that a little bit for us, I'd really appreciate it. And then also on the residential preference policy, I was wondering um, you know, how, would, how would that work um, as an anti-displacement strategy? Thank you. I So in regards to, um, I'll start with the residential preference policy. Um, we have, um, once again, Danielle Foster has been amazing as our housing policy manager. She's had discussions with SHRA and um, our attorneys and others about how could we have a uh, preferential uh, treatment of folks that are currently in the area in terms of when we do build um, new housing, like we're, we're seeing with Mercy having a groundbreaking um, next week. You know, how do they choose their upcoming tenants? We have a huge long list. Is there any way to get preference for folks that are living within the area right now or that we're living within the area? Um, it's in discussion. It's a pretty big policy because we are still trying to find out what is legally allowed and how we could accomplish it. Um, so. And then I don't know why, but I just, uh, the first um, should know these policies by heart, but somehow things just like go out. Would you repeat the first one um, that you were bringing up? Sure, I was wondering how a community plan like this might um, alleviate um, the gaps we have in generational wealth between different communities. Yeah, so that is complicated. I mean, we have a lot of different ways. We had a really great discussion with folks that are pursuing community ownership models last year because um, there's definitely there's some folks that are looking at how can we um, all bond together, pay for things, how can we have a um, tenants buy out their rental building, how can we um, you know encourage like the land trust to be able to own properties and to hold and trust. So there's a lot of really creative ideas on community ownership that we're encouraging and um, we'll be having further discussions with them. Um, and then beyond that, I think there's just so many things in terms of, you mentioned accessory dwelling units. It's something I've seen, um, I built an accessory dwelling unit and I've never been more financially stable of having that help to pay for my mortgage and to uh, have um, flexibility of um, being able to have that, those finances. I have been working behind the scenes on our accessory dwelling unit program. We're gonna be um, coming out with a new website soon and with that, um, I'm hoping that in this neighborhood, as well as other neighborhoods, we're going to be on the ground um, holding hands with low and middle income homeowners to help them understand the process, what comes next, um, making partnerships. And there's some really interesting programs out there to make this happen and building generational wealth in that way. Um, you know, we have unfortunately lost our workforce development manager 
Um, she recently moved on to a different job, so that um, position is open, but working with our workforce team to get people connected to better jobs. Um, there's a lot of creative uh, thinking, um, including a um, universal basic income, which can at least stabilize some folks and then, you know, help those kids and those families to be able to, um, you know, reach further and, and to get um, better paying jobs and more, you know, as when we stabilize the home, I think we can really see folks start to do better. So it's, once again, these are complicated issues. I'm working really closely with our economic development group. Um, how can we encourage existing businesses to expand? Folks that maybe have started a business in their own home to then um, be able to, you know, hire employees and maybe have a physical location on the corridor. So there's a lot of different thinking on this. Um, and we put the policy out there, we put the aspirations out there, and then we, you know, work to make those reality. So um, no clear solutions, but we're, we're doing what we can to um, move those forward and see them come to fruition. Thanks for that answer. I appreciate it. And thanks for your presentation. And I, Commissioner Buckley, I'll just note, and for the rest of the commission, good evening. I didn't greet you all initially when I jumped in, Greg Sandlin. Um, uh, chapter 12, the implementation table there has quite a lot of um, examples of, of some of the things we are looking to do and, and definitely would love to get the commission's input on these specific implementation actions. And I believe Elizabeth had mentioned ADUs, but um, certainly that would be a wealth generating opportunity for a homeowner. But for those not able to own yet, the personal financial, financial literacy services for unbanked residents, just building that capacity um, to start generating wealth and investing. And um, just that just as you asked the question, I started to go through the table and just um, we definitely need more ideas. Um, so thanks. I really appreciate that. And uh, thanks for calling our attention to that. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Commissioner Buckley. Uh, we'll move on to uh, Commissioner Young. Yeah. Um, just a sort of follow up regarding that there was a part of the report that I uh, was hoping to maybe get a little bit more expansion on. And that was sort of the kind of the street activation piece. I think there was talk about community art space, parks. Um, and then, you know, I saw some images of like, uh, I think it was a Vietnamese restaurant where there was sort of outdoor seating kind of um, created, which I thought was fantastic. I, I, recently came back from Boston Chinatown like yesterday and um, really just saw what they did in terms of having outdoor seating all throughout Chinatown. And this is really in comparison to the San Francisco Chinatown where there really just isn't a lot there. And um, so just a, a stark contrast in terms of life and activity um, in those areas. And I'm just sort of curious, sort of like in the, the, the southern area of that, that Stockton corridor where Little Saigon is, just sort of curious kind of what, what have been the, the commercial um, tenants' aspirations as far as what are they wanting to see in that area? Are they wanting to see more foot traffic and more activity or well, what's their overall kind of vision and desire for that area? I think that we have probably not had enough conversations. Um, Mikhail Davila in Office of Innovation and Economic Development will be having more small business discussions with folks um, 
with this working version. I think part of the problem is that people don't even understand. I ask questions of like, what do you envision for the future? And I got a lot of, I want the police to talk to me about enforcement of this and this and this. Yes. So that's what I was getting with, you know, yeah. I think planning is one of those esoteric questions of what do you want to see in the future that folks are like, I am having a problem right now and I don't know what you're talking about or why I should care about it. So um, we have not heard that from the uh, the business owners at large. We have had discussions with um, CPALS, the um, Community Partner Advocates for Little Saigon. Little Saigon. Um, they're really looking at how do they make Little Saigon more of a destination for family-friendly activities, um, provide nightlife that is um, feels safe and yeah. comfortable to be in. Um, I think what we'll see is that when we do get that 80 to whatever million dollars by the time we can build it um, to make those physical improvements to the street network, we will begin to see a lot more um, of people feeling more comfortable and changing. Um, one of the things along with that, that work that's been really interesting is that some of the right of way that the city owns is actually currently parking lot. And as um, these businesses come up to improve their parking lots, they will come against this public works um, requirement to um, no longer, you know, be on city right of way. And so there will be further discussions. And I know that um, it's just, it's a long, long discussion to get there of having more foot traffic. Cause right now it's really unpleasant. I've ridden my bike down it, you know, there's some parts that have some bike lane, but you know, like three foot wide, it's not very comfortable. And then sidewalks, a lot of blockages, it's very difficult. So um, I think in the Alfresco program, there weren't that many businesses out in that area that were doing what we saw in Midtown where folks were, you know, spilling out of the restaurant and creating this lovely outdoor seating. Um, but I hope, you know, I hope to see more of that, but I think, um, people can't envision sometimes what the future could be. And so, um, you know, we'll do our best to work with the community and then, uh, continue to push developers as they come forward to say, Hey, like, you know, let's, let's, um, build in a different way. Let's, um, try different things. So it's, it's exciting to see what happens in the next 20 years. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Young, Commissioner Wong Connolly. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, Elizabeth, it's a great work, great presentation. I want to follow up with uh, Commissioner Young's question about uh, life and activity. So in terms of the land use planning, you know, if I take the number correctly, you have uh, um, 4,000 dwelling units, 370,000 commercial space. From a planner's perspective, would 4,000 uh, uh, units supporting the 370,000 commercial space? So um, the commercial space and the units are only purely for um, the future, what we envision additional from what's are there on the ground. Another thing to consider on this corridor is that a lot of it is actually in the county. So we have a lot of unincorporated county. As much as we have um, worked with them and we have had conversations, we don't control the entire corridor on both sides the whole way. And they are looking at increasing their um, density for this corridor in order to fulfill their requirements for the housing element. And so it's really exciting to see that. They got a, um, a grant about 300,000 from SACOG to you know, study this, to move it forward. And um, I think it'll be the densest um, land um, 
designations that they have in the county is along the Stockton Boulevard corridor. So I think with um, the housing that we're looking at, plus the housing that um, the county is looking at, we'll see more support for the retail that's there. But one of the things that we saw in the socioeconomic report is that there's over there's too much retail. We've seen this over and over again. Um, we've got too much retail everywhere. And um, we've got a lot of big um, parking lots, a lot of leg spaces. So we really envision that as you bring in more housing, you will support the retail that's there and it'll become more vibrant, but you don't necessarily need to add in a lot more um, retail. Oh, great, that sounds like a, um, a lot of coordination with the county to see if uh, they can increase the housing count to support the over, uh, it seemed like an over retail space already and then the projected development. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Young. Yeah, I'm sorry, I wanna do a quick uh, piggyback off of Commissioner Juan Connolly's comments. I, I think that um, within that little Saigon area, I think we can definitely be taking more efforts of really helping the community to try to envision what it can be. Because I think in a lot of like Asian communities, like especially Little Saigon, that's like an area where seniors, you know, um, really reside and it, it becomes more pedestrian oriented. A lot of the Chinatowns, Japan towns or whatnot end up being like senior communities. And so um, it, it almost kind of informs the possibility of building higher, right? And, and finding more units for, for seniors who, who are looking for independent living in that area, because that's kind of how life sort of operates. It operates around the food, you know? And so I, I just think that I, I, I completely understand sort of the, the tension, which is like, they just want to take care of community safety first. Um, but those, if you can sort of address activity and life, that, that also sort of addresses the safety. And so to the extent that we can help educate the community about, hey, these are some kind of other places that we can kind of look at as models, um, not only for, for just generating foot traffic, but just like, hey, for our own seniors and whatnot. And that might lend to more engagement. Thank you. We're having discussions. I think, you know, um, there is a constant conversation about how to develop the area. Um, there's a um, large office um, condo that was built, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago that has been vacant for a long time. I talked to the developer and he was looking at turning that into residential. So um, there is conversation going on. I think it's just, um, it's gonna be slow and incremental. And as we see Aggie Square um, thrive, and then we see um, more activity in Little Saigon, um, and we start to fill in those bits. But um, yeah, it's it's very incremental, and I think city staff, you know, we're building those relationships with um, these areas and, and having a lot of different conversations about how to thrive and how to um, how to work together in a more cohesive way. Thank you, and thank you, Commissioner Young, uh, Commissioner Colville. Thank you, Chair Hernandez, and congratulations. Um, a great job, Elizabeth. Uh, I, I got through most all of the presentation, you know, uh, in the staff report. 
And it's just, uh, I think you're doing all the right things. I think you're trying to approach it all the right way. I can't think of anything that I would want to change. I think you're doing a great job. And I just want to add too, you know, I'm, I'm in real estate, as some of you know. Uh, I have sold hundreds and hundreds of properties in this area. And, you know, to see, you know, Stockton Boulevard used to be a highway. And so to try to develop along that is going to be a challenge and has been for years. But of those houses that I sold, you know, talking about the intergenerational wealth and stuff, it would be investor buying it, then an investor selling it to another investor, and then it would get foreclosed on a bank. And then it would be sold, re resold again to another investor, to another investor, and the bank would foreclose on it again. It was just, just horrible for the whole region. Um, and I'm happy to say the houses I've sold in, in recent years, every single one of them went was sold to an owner-occupant. So that's really good for the area. Um, and uh, Commissioner Young, I've been going to meetings and hearing all kinds of uh, uh, programs coming out, down payment assistance programs that are about to hit and Cal FHA is one of them. And, and there's, there, uh, the, the funds come through, most, most mortgage brokers and bankers are, are aware of those programs. Um, the trouble has been the market's been so hot lately that somebody had a special program didn't probably have a chance to buy the house. Well, now things are starting to slow down now, so I think they'd be able to take advantage of it. So I just see good things happening all this region, and I think you got, you're doing a great job, Elizabeth. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Colville. Commissioner Pluckybum. Greg mentioned um, trying to get some uh, prioritization of the list of impending actions in Table 6. That's on page 102 at the end of the um, staff report. And either Greg or Elizabeth, I'm, I'm wondering what, you know, it's a, it's a reason, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a reasonably comprehensive long list. I think there's several pages of, uh, of, of possible actions here, 78 uh, different actions that we could do. And most of them, you know, say, you know, funding source TBD. The, you know, the, the rest of the, the questions I think that folks would want to understand um, about the, the, the different potential actions would be sort of what potential impacts we might expect, um, you know, outcomes. Um, so I, I don't know if either of you are looking for any specific ideas from, from us tonight, but I mean, I, I guess to, to do any kind of project prioritization, I think you all understand that the, you know, the sort of the basic um, business case, use case kind of type analysis that we usually do when we're looking at uh, project analysis before uh, doing that kind of stuff. And uh, if that, maybe that exists somewhere else in, a, in another companion document or something else, I just don't know. Is that, is that information out there? Are there? Is there more on these different actions? We don't have that. Um, it's an interesting question because when you are prioritizing based off of, you know, like what, like it's not simply just on what will have the greatest effect, but also what um, the community feels the most strongly about and what they feel like will be the most helpful. Um, I love the idea of coming at it from like a return on investment and what are we going to be getting? I think as we roll out the anti-displacement programs, one thing that Danielle has talked to me about is leaving um, some money on the table so that she can assess what are people applying for, um, what's most effective, and then being able to like change the program as we go so that um, it's targeting um, what folks um, need. Um, 
I think for a lot of these, I mean, there's some really fuzzy ones that people would like to see a dog park. Um, what is the return on investment for a dog park? It costs money to build it, to run it, to maintain it, but it does have a return on investment in terms of um, activity, in terms of um, joy, and in terms of um, just making somewhere feel like home. So I, I struggle because there's just a range of um, actions that don't all have a um, straightforward, you know, uh, calculus that I can articulate well. You can't put a price on joy. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Pluckybaum. I see no other hands raised and just want to um, echo a lot of the sentiments that, that my fellow commissioners have made. Um, Elizabeth, great job. This is a very uh, big project and I really appreciate the, the community working aspect of it, the approach that y'all are taking and getting all that feedback uh, from, from community members. Um, I'm really glad to see that and understand that this is a very complex issue. I think um, a common thread from the, the comments here have been on anti-displacement and what that means, what that looks like. Um, I appreciate the vision that's in the, the staff report and in the plan so far. Um, and uh, one of the questions that I had that we've kind of touched on in a, in a different ways today um, has been like, how do we measure the success of anti-displacement values? Um, so uh, just as a comment going forward, something I'm curious about, um, something that uh, maybe we can continue discussing. Um, but otherwise, again, fantastic um, job. This has been a great effort by all the staff. I really appreciate it. Um, so I think that um, there, since there are no other hands raised, this item is a review and comment, so there's no vote required. Um, thank you so much, uh, Elizabeth. And um, uh, we can move on to uh, the next item, which I think we are um, at the end of the discussion calendar. We do uh, have next on the agenda, commissioner comments, ideas and questions. If commissioners have any um, comments, ideas and questions, please raise your hand. I do wanna rate, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Madam Clerk, do we have somebody on the public um, who wishes to make a comment? Thank you, Chair. It appears we do have two hands raised. Okay, I'm curious if this is for the um, the discussion calendar or if it's going to be a public comment. Matters not on the agenda. Would you like me to take them? Please do. Sure. Our first speaker is Wang Tam. Hi, my name is Wing Tam. Thank you for for my my comment in here, Commissioner, thank you. Um, I've been a carpenter for 10, 10 plus years, uh, living in the Sacramento area, uh, also the same. Um, I travel down to Bay Area every single day, spending like three or four hours uh, to traveling every single day. So can we have some uh, local hiring uh, opportunity in the Sacramento area? Because um, all these things, if we put together, is um, we are create a lot of uh, greenhouse gases, you know, a lot of traffic, and uh, um, we try to uh, uh, reduce all this traffic. And uh, um, living set is pretty good, uh, cheap, cheaper than Bay Area, but uh, right now it's getting expensive. So 
I have to go down and find better wages, uh, livable wages and healthcare. So do you have any project for, um, uh, for local hiring and, uh, um, and uh, providing wages and healthcare? So um, if we have this, it will be really big help for the community. Thank you so much for listening for my comment. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Chair, we have no additional speakers with their hands raised. Thank you very much. Um, okay, I believe that was for the discussion item. So we'll we'll um, record the public comments. Thank you for your comments and uh, go, go back to commissioner comments, ideas and questions. Um, if commissioners have any ideas or questions, please raise your hand. I do uh, wanna raise one issue. Um, I believe that um, several commissioners received an email from a member of the community uh, with a question regarding potential quote amendment. Um, and so um, I do want to see if perhaps some um, city staff can, can respond to that and provide an update for uh, the benefit of the public's awareness that uh, that issue was raised with the commission. Yes, sure I can. Um, thank you very much. We did receive, or you all received, and you forwarded to me a comment from um, a small business owner who was interested in, in advancing a code amendment to allow small manufacturing in the M1 zone within a half mile of uh, light rail stations um, on a buy right basis. So pass that information along to our zoning administrator and uh, Mr. Samlin, our planning director. And so we'll consider it as part of a future bundle amendment. And it would be um, in that context that it would come back before the commission for any sort of discussion and, and, uh, and staff analysis along with it. So we do have that recommendation and I have spoken with the gentleman and um, we'll see where we go from this point forward. Thank you for that. Um, seeing no other hands raised, we'll close commissioner comments and move on to the last item, which is, oops, moving too fast. Here we go. Before we close commissioner comments, commissioner Boyd. Thank you. I was uh, moving a little slow there. Uh, just a, a quick comment, uh, to all of, uh, uh, my fellow commissioners, the city council, um, tabled until I'm not certain if it's next week's council meeting or the week after in regards to the change of um, city code in regards to commissions and boards not being able to create ad hoc committees. Um, if you feel that ad hoc committees are relevant and helpful and still needed, I suggest that you submit your e-comment and or verbal comment uh, at the upcoming city council meeting and um, what, whichever uh, opinion that you feel. But just wanted to FYI those who did not know, uh, again, it is, it was delayed from yesterday, well today's Thursday, it was delayed from Tuesday. Um, uh, in addition, that's just one of the items uh, in regards to um, boards and commissions and the other that I uh, jumped out at me as and uh, only having one term at a time uh, per chair and vice chair. And lastly, uh, what uh, that was attached to this was the, uh, what was the uh, I'm trying to, I'm paraphrasing, the 
following city code and procedure and having any amendment to the city code first go before law and ledge and go straight to vote at city council that was attached to the same item i believe that is why it got held up uh, maybe the legal aspect stepped in and said uh, wait a minute i'm not certain on that but just an fyi please pay attention to what's going on in regards to ad hoc committees thank you thank you for raising that commissioner boyd commissioner young yeah, I just wanted to ask, I think Mr. Tam made the same comment in the last meeting, and I think someone from our planning staff reached out to him. I, I just wanted to make sure he was followed up on because it was the exact same comment as, as last week. I just didn't want to leave him in the dust, but I'm not sure who, if anyone uh, could provide him a response. That's all. Commissioner Young, yeah. Um... I was thinking about, I don't know if anybody has followed up with him, but um, his uh, local hiring program interests uh, might be able to be addressed with, um, I could direct him to staff that are working on the community benefits ordinance, which would require community benefit agreements. And I know local hiring certainly most right. likely be part of that. So um, we could probably get That'd be a start, I guess. Yeah, just pointing him in a direction. So thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for that, Commissioner Young. So that concludes our commissioner comments. Um, the last item is public comments matters not on the agenda. Madam Clerk, um, are there any members of the public who wish to make comments? Thank you, Chair. We do have um, one member of the public with their hand raised. Our speaker is Giovanni. Good evening. Can you hear me okay? We can. Thank you. My name is Giovanni Adelini, and I've been a Sacramento area carpenter since 1997. <clears throat> I, too, am encouraged by the idea of bringing more development to the Sacramento area, especially at a time when there are more dilapidated buildings and homeless than ever in our community. Um, I too also find it disheartening that there's a lack of projects in our community willing to pay the area standard wages and health coverage. Uh, I think it's a slap in the face to our skilled blue collar workers like myself and others and apprentices that are forced to drive hours away to the Bay Area to find work that pays the livable wage and health benefits like uh, the previous speaker before me. Um, I, I feel like we are the capital city and we should be setting the example and set the standard for doing what is right for blue collar families. Uh, I, would, I would kindly ask that the Planning and Design Commission please take into consideration these factors uh, when improving any other uh, developments. The area standard carpenter wages, healthcare coverage, uh, like the previous caller said, uh, the commitment to hire local carpenters and tradesmen, including apprentices. I personally have benefited from a state-approved apprenticeship program, and my quality of life is better because of it. The apprenticeship programs give those with, without the opportunity to attend college the ability to acquire skills that lead to good paying jobs and a shot at the American dream. Unfortunately, these developers are never going to do the right thing and pay these wages on their own. Uh, with your leadership and influence, we can send a message to these developers that the Sacramento area will not stand for the exploitation of carpenters and skilled tradesmen and apprentices so they can increase their profits. I find it ironic that I keep hearing these words over and over again, community, affordable, sustainable, um, with these developments. And yet I hear no mention of 
the the labor and the skilled uh, carpenters and other tradesmen that build these jobs and are paid substandard wages. Uh, I was I was encouraged by Mr. Barry Boyd's um, questions about affordability, yet nobody ever addresses the fact that the people that that work in this community to build these projects can't even afford to buy these projects. So when are we going to deal with the the gorilla in the room and address this fact and and quit choosing these developers that SHRA continues to pick that exploit workers and pay substandard wages with no health care? It's unacceptable. Um, Opportunities like this to, to address the public are vital, and I appreciate this opportunity, and thank you for listening to me. Have a good night. Thank you for your comments. Chair, we have no additional speakers. Thank you, Madam Chair, and um, really appreciate the public's comments today. Um, Greg, perhaps we can also follow up and um, direct, uh, help connect uh, the public commenters with um, the community benefit agreement, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, we'll do. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Okay. Let's see here. I think that concludes today's agenda, everybody. Thank you so much for participating and meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Take care. Good night.